Hello, happy Monday. Welcome to Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing, the podcast all about art and design theory for hairdressers. I'm Cody. I'm a hairdresser and educator based in Washington, D.C. And this is episode nine of the third season. So I will have one more episode next week after this, and I will be coming back with season four in the, at the end of the summer, early fall. So hopefully as my schedule quiets down a little bit, I will have time to pick this back up again. And in the meantime, there'll be some exciting announcements about classes this summer and some new fun, exciting things. So stay tuned for all of those. Make sure you're following Point in Line Education on Facebook and Instagram so that you don't miss any of that while we're on our break. And on that note, there are five days left, no, four days left in the Point Line Art Challenge. So if you haven't been paying attention, we started a little Instagram contest that's all about um, sort of showcasing the innovative and interesting work that you get to do in the salon every day. The So that ends on the 30th, and winners will be announced on the 31st. The first place winner will get a two-day cutting class with myself and point-in-line education. And the second place winner will receive a whole package of point-in-line pro shop tools and goodies and gear and everything. If that sounds like fun to you, to enter, all you have to do is post a picture on Instagram, tag point-in-line education, and hashtag point-in-line art challenge. You're running out of time. Go do that now after you finish listening. And for this week, I wanted to actually focus on that subject of innovation and talk about how we can actually challenge our everyday salon work just by sort of rethinking the way that we go about things. Now, I've spent several episodes talking about mapping out our thought process, mapping out our concepts, mapping out sort of the end results, um, talked about the client consultation, what all of the various components look like. And this is really about changing the way we almost start thinking before we go into work, if that makes sense. So the first part of that is when we do something different or change up the client's look, it's not always about taking dark hair light or chopping off 12 feet of hair. Um, Sometimes it's really tiny, simple things that make a huge difference. And the second part of sort of challenging our work that I find is a little terrifying is the sort of conversation in the back of our heads that's like, will this look good? Um, Will they like it? So all of that sort of, how do we keep the changes or challenges sort of interesting and relevant to the client to sort of how we're working? I want to now start this conversation by saying that innovation or creativity have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with learning someone else's techniques or learning how someone else goes about doing something. A sort of solid technical foundation allows us to create freely 
But at this present moment, there's so much focus and sort of emphasis placed on not only like duplicating someone else's work or learning how to do someone's technique in an identical way to the way they do it, but also there's this sort of perpetual conversation about, well, really almost how we're not good enough around every turn. And I will say that it's always... It's always a good idea to pay attention to areas that you can improve technically. Um, I am a huge believer in that a lot of the technical things that we spend our whole careers learning, we should have learned at the beginning. That's a different conversation. But this sort of conversation about technical ability is a little, like it's, for me, it's tired. And there are many amazing um, sort of schools of thought in hairdressing. And they'll explain to you sort of what you're not doing right and bad habits and this, that, and the other. And there's some really great tidbits that you can take out of any educational event. But at the end of the day, the idea is to sort of, or the sort of subliminal idea is that, oh, I need to come back here because I'm not good enough still and I need to continue working on X, Y, and Z with this person. Um, and without naming names and <laughs> pointing fingers, that's where my frustration is. Now, we all have a way that we work and we do hair. Some of you out there may only specialize in one or two things. That's cool. That's awesome. But I truly believe that even if you're only doing sort of even if you're only cutting hair in the salon, there's still an amount of pushing your work that needs to happen throughout your career or you become stale, bored, and your work becomes boring. And I'm just going to lay that out there for everyone. And in getting to talk to a lot of different people, there are quote-unquote blonde specialists or quote-unquote you know, short hair specialists. And even if you've chosen to take that path where you're only going to specialize in one thing and do it really, really well, you still have to push your work and push sort of the creative boundaries of what you do every day, especially if it's so, so specialized. Because what will end up happening, so if we look at something like McDonald's, where you go there, if you order, if you don't eat at a McDonald's, I totally don't blame you, and you may not understand this reference, but um, if you're going to McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac, you expect that Big Mac in the exact same way every single time, you expect the same level of service, and whatever else over and over again. But what I have to say to the quote-unquote specialist out there listening, and my clients will pay for, you know, this, that, or the other over and over again, whatever it is. Um, I'm not going to give you the clients leave you because they're bored, right? Clients stay with you because you're consistent also. But changing things up helps you challenge the way you work. It might lead you to new sort of fun, creative concepts to work with. Um, and there's sort of this ongoing cycle, right? So if you evolve and keep evolving, you could look at a company like Apple that's made the iPod for a very long time now. But is that first iPod the same as the iPod they're making now? No. And there's reasons that it can't be anymore. And if we take a step back and look at our work right now, 
and especially for the quote-unquote specialists out there, or for those of us who look up to those people that do the same consistent work over and over again, is it that a new version of your iPod, let's say, air quotes, I'm air quoting here on the other side of the speakers, <laughs> are you creating a new version of the iPod, or are you just creating a more and more expensive Big Mac every single time? So challenge is good, change is good. It keeps us engaged in our jobs, and it also keeps our clients engaged in what we do with them every single visit. At the end of the day, our work is a creative and practical discipline, and the work that we create is actual wearable art that's designed for one person. So it's super exciting for us. If you think about that's the kind of work I get to do every day. I get to create art that's designed and customized around one person every single day. And what makes that wearable art exciting for everyone involved are two things, change and relevance. In the category of change, like I said, it's not about doing something radical all of a sudden, sort of for no reason. A change doesn't have to be, I'm going to take your hair from waist length to above your ears. In the industry that we work in, I find it's all about being able to appreciate simple and practical adjustments. Maybe it's, you know, the back of your hair got too long this time, so let's change this about what we did. Or your new growth is too noticeable too quickly, so let's do X, Y, and Z in our color this time so that that problem is solved, right? We talked about identifying problems and solving them, and that's a huge part of what hairdressing is on the sort of design discipline level. But learning to appreciate the fact that maybe the change I'm going to make today isn't necessarily a gigantic step. It may be just a slight adjustment in something we've done previously. And these minimal sort of tweaks are what sometimes make the biggest impact for the client and usability-wise in the way that they wear their hair, and also for the overall look. So for me, I end up watching a lot of like fluffy television when I get home from work or if I'm on the road. So I end up watching a lot of HGTV. And the best sort of example of this idea is the idea of, do I need a new throw pillow on the couch, or do I need to knock the entire house down and start over? So learning the level, or learning to identify the level of change that needs to happen that day versus six months from that appointment. And then after we figure out what change looks like in that situation, then we have to think about relevance. We have to consider the context that that change is going to happen in. So the the reality of that client's lifestyle, the suitability of what we're actually going to create in the end, basically what does that work need to look like aesthetically and how does that work need to function day to day for the client. And I find by paying attention to those, and letting those guide your sort of planning and idea process, you end up with some of the most amazing organic solutions that are actually derived from reality. Imagine that. 
And sometimes it's working with the idea of these are the three limitations the clients presented me with. I My hair can't be shorter than this. This needs to happen in the front. This is the color it needs to be. Whatever, whatever that set of sort of limitations are, we can take those, or rather we need to learn to take those, and create something beautiful out of them. And I'm going to go back to Apple one more time. And I'm sorry if none of you were fans of Apple, but it just sort of, it works in this instance where the actual product, for the most part, functions really nicely. We all have our moments with technology here and there, but for the most part, they function, their products function the way they're supposed to. They are really thought out in the way that things are set up whether or not that works for you and this sort of intuitive factor works for you. And then they're made very simply and beautifully. So every single decision made on, say, your iPhone, there was a whole research discussion about. And that's what good design is. But it comes from practical information. And so the exact same thing happens with us and a client where... They might say, I need my hair to be above my shoulders, as a really broad example. We as professionals need to then take that limitation or that sort of requirement, as it were, and create something beautiful with it. If we're just going to cut a blunt line right above their shoulders, half an inch above their shoulders, are we creating something that's just purely practical? Think about it as a pair of orthopedic shoes versus a pair of Manolo Blahniks? Are you creating something that's really just practical and the end, that's it? Or are you creating something that's purely sort of ornamental? And in that sort of, that range, I guess, or that spectrum, <laughs> where does your work need to fall? I personally feel that our work and the way that it's intended to work and function and be worn needs to fall somewhere in the middle of those two points. It needs to be more than just, okay, she's got these three requirements, let's check those boxes. But at the same time, it can't just be purely decorative for the sake of being decorative. So we have to respect the context that the work is going to actually exist in, and it needs to look aesthetically pleasing. And that's where your personal taste comes in. Now, where your sort of responsibility slash homework comes in is you need to keep up to date with what sort of modern looks like at that moment. It needs to also be relevant to the era that you're creating your work in. And what happens when we take that sort of change, the abstract change that's floating in our heads, and we make sure that it's relevant to the person that we're putting it on or working with, we take something that's maybe old or tired, and we make it new and fresh. It's like one of these many, again, one of these many shows on, again, HGTV, do you need to redecorate the room or do you need to completely tear everything out, gut the room completely, put new floors in X, Y, and Z? And then what makes sense? How is that room going to be used in all reality 
Um, maybe what's the budget of redoing that room? And what does that room need to look like or represent? It's that simple. And we do the exact same thing in the work that we create. And for us, I think the two words that get mixed up a lot are creativity and innovation. So think about it this way. Creativity is actually the ideas that are in our heads, the abstract sort of concepts that exist in this crazy world inside of our skulls. And it's the actual fuel for what we create. Whereas innovation is the literal act of changing something and doing something differently. Taking our ideas, taking our creativity, and using it to power our actions. I want to thank you so much for listening. And I just managed to keep this under 20 minutes, so that's super awesome. That was my goal. Make sure you're subscribed. Keep an eye out on Mondays for new episodes. Next week will be our season three finale. Stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following Point in Line Education on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to enter the Point in Line Hair Art Challenge. Thank you again so much for listening. I'm Cody, and this was Point in Line to Head Elevating Hairdressing.